uncovering your truth and fire one conversation at a time. This is the Spitfire Podcast. The Spitfire Podcast is brought to you by me, the Spitfire Coach. I am Lauren Lemonian, based out of Washington, D.C., and I'm here to light a fire under you. Whether you're running a business or you're just trying to find that passion back in your career, if you are interested in lighting that fire, seeing that fire, making it burn a little bit brighter, hit me up at spitfirecoach.com. Today, we are uh, doing things a little bit differently. So usually we have a different intro. Usually you hear giggles and craziness, but we're going to get a little serious today because over the last couple weeks, I faced this in my own journey and I've seen it pop up around Facebook and on Instagram uh, of other people that I follow and people that I respect and admire. And I realized that you know, on these podcasts, we keep it light and fun and we talk about all those great things and sometimes we get a little serious, but we are all facing this very human aspect of the business world and of the human world, which is anxiety. And even more so, this need for self-care. So this came up in the book that I have written. I keep saying I'm writing, but it's written. And it will be released shortly in the next coming weeks, which is crazy. Uh, But this need for self-care in order to effectively spit your fire, to really hone in on your power, and to really check in with yourself and make sure that you are taking care of yourself before anybody else. So it was important enough for me to put it in the book, and it's important enough for me to make a show about it. And I think we're going to actually have several shows about this because I think that it is the first thing that falls off the priority list when life gets busy and hectic or when you think you need to be doing things or should be doing them and you start following that line of expectations. But our guest today actually came to me with this idea earlier in the week, and I said, all right, you're going to be a guest on the show. And she didn't hesitate, so I'm all about that spitfire energy and sharing. And she has her own take on anxiety and self-care and and wellness, really. So, Jesse De Silva, thank you so much for joining me in our a crazy commute of, of a, a journey for you today. So yes, I came down 10 floors. 10 floors. <laughs> she is one floor from me. I think actually you are my direct downstairs neighbor. Oh, really? Are like, you 05? Yes. I'm 05 oh too. Oh, so wow. We literally have a roof or a ceiling and no a floor, floor. Yeah. that is separating us. So I apologize for my dog running back and forth. I never hear him. The soundproofing is excellent yeah, here. It really is, yes. <laughs> so Jesse sent me a message. We were communicating back and forth on Facebook, even though we could have probably just sent Morse code yeah, uh, in right. between and <laughs> we were talking about the book and and she said I have a topic for you so tell me what did you come to me with I came to you with this idea of self-care because we see so much of this content going viral on Facebook and Instagram where it's like take care of yourself and you know self-care and all of this but we also live in an age where we have all these things that are disposable disposal that we can like veg out to like Netflix binging and scrolling through Tumblr or whatever else it is and that's not that that doesn't always I mean while it might relax you it may not amount to the kind of self-care you need Mm -hmm. so I kind of wanted to talk about like how do you determine what is your self-care routine how do you bring yourself back down to zero when you need to be able to tap into more energy Interesting. So yeah. it's funny that you brought up Netflix because I actually recommended to my friend that she stay home because it's Friday the 13th today. And the last <laughs> Friday the 13th, she had three really horrible things happen to her. And I was like, stay in your safety bubble. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> might as well. But when I hear, you know, the, the scrolling and the Netflix or the YouTube obsession, to me, that's distraction from self. So while you think you're taking care of yourself, you're actually still staying outside of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. And, and like it can like 
you know, when you stay, take a staycation and you stay home and you just kind of like do like lounge around or whatever, there's a time and a place for that. But that's not something we need to be labeling as self-care mm -hmm. because that self-care needs to be a little more active and it needs to leave you feeling renewed. It needs to refill your tank, gotcha. not just not just kind of let you like shut your brain off for a little bit. So I'm actually I, I did some research. I Googled. Oh. So I, I wanted to pull the definition for self-care because I think there's kind of assumptions of what it is. Right. And there's some mystery around it. Like I was talking to a partner at a law firm about actually hosting my book event and we'll, we'll tie this all in later on. <laughs> um, and, and I was talking to her about what the book was about and she's like, what is self-care? And I couldn't tell if she was being sarcastic or not. And I explained it to her and she was just like, oh, well, that's why I go on vacation. And I realized that's not what that is. Like, yeah. it can be a part of it. But to mm -hmm. me, that's another part of escapism. Right. So the definition in a very general sense, and this was, I think, Oxford's definition, is the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health and the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of a perfect definition. Spot on. Yeah. So when you hear preserving and improving one's own health, what are some things that you look at in your own practice of self-care that you need to kind of keep in check as a daily practice? Well, for me as a daily practice, like I try to do gratitude stuff. So I always like try to start my morning off thinking about like what I'm grateful for and make a list and kind of center my mind that way. Um, that kind of starts me off on the right foot for mm -hmm. the day. It makes me like more open, more positive. For me, I have to, I have to like work out or move my body in some way mm -hmm. every day. That's just like the basic thing for me. Um, that and, you know, taking the time to like connect with the people I care about and the people I love and, you know, give a rundown of my day and hear how they're doing. So that's really, that's really what it is for me at the most basic. Mm -hmm. uh, something that, I always advise people to do, which I learned from my other, like other coaches on my coaching team, is that we try to create a list of the top 10 things that fill your tank mm -hmm. and allow you to come back with more vitality to bring toward your business or whatever it is that you do, even just life. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes what happens is that when you neglect yourself for long enough, you almost forget what makes you happy because you get pulled into this funk mm -hmm. and you just can't pull yourself out. So when you have those things written down in the back of your planner or just like on the fridge, you can say, okay, well, I don't know what I need to be doing. I can't really like, don't have that kind of energy to reflect right now. Let me just go to this list, mm -hmm. see what it is that I need to be doing and then pick one of those items. Yeah. So I want to go back to, you said filling your tank. Yes. So what do you think are some things that deplete the tank? Well, you know, even when you're passionate about like your work, sometimes that can be draining. Mm -hmm. um, I work like by day, not outside of my coaching. I work for the National Association for of Criminal Defense Lawyers. Mm -hmm. And obviously I work with a lot of like criminal law topics and that can be really draining, even though I care very much about criminal justice reform. 
it's not always enjoyable reading about crime, yeah, <laughs> as you can imagine. And you know, previously I was a reporter and I covered criminal justice, and it can get really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to watch Law and Order SVU; it's another thing to like experience and read these cases of real people and real tragedy that mm-hmm. occurs to people. So, while I'm passionate about it mm-hmm. and I care very much about the work that I do, and I'm very happy with where I am it can still be draining. Like at the end of the day, I can come home and sometimes feel like, oh, I don't even want to go in tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So work that you do can be draining for introverts. If you, even when you're hanging out with people you love, like social interaction Mm -hmm. can be draining. Or maybe if you're an extrovert in who's had like a quiet spell for too long. I mean, like things can be draining in multiple ways, but sometimes it's the things that we don't really recognize. It's just the daily grind. Yeah. So there's this exercise that I put in the book. I don't know if you've gotten there yet. So so Jessie got an advanced copy. I know. So special. (laughs) Feeling very VIP. She's so VIP. So (laughs) there's an exercise in it where on an average day, I have you list out the experiences or the people that you interact with. Mm -hmm. And on a scale of uh, three pluses or three minuses, you go through it and you rate the experience. So are they adding to you? Are they fueling you up? Or are they depleting you? So you can actually look at the flow of your day if you're boosting up to like 10 pluses in a row and then one person takes three and then you have kind of this lull at work. But understanding where those sources of energy are either adding to you or taking away so that you can create coping strategies throughout all of it. So some of the things that I coach around is detached engagement. So when you're around difficult people, difficult topics of creating that kind of boundary or barrier that allows you, we actually were talking about this, we were sitting down the other day, um, about not getting into someone's story or not absorbing the emotion as your own. Right, yes, which I I feel like fundamentally because I've definitely got some of those empath qualities where even just touching someone who's in like a weird mental space Mm -hmm. or pain or something, it's just like, whoa. You take it on. Yeah, yeah, so you really have to learn how to kind of create a barrier My friend calls it gray rocking when you're interacting with someone who's super toxic or Mm -hmm. somebody who's super draining for you, where you just like do not give them any fuel. You don't give them any information, but you just like kind of pretend you're a gray rock, as she says. Yes, no. And that's kind of it. Yeah. So that's that's basically exactly what detached (laughs) engagement is. So you're present with people, but you're not down in the hole feeding them and fueling Mm -hmm. them. And a lot of times, people don't realize they're doing it. It's what oh, they've yeah. always done. They find people that will support them in their kind of downward spiral, um, and they attract in people who support it. And so when you actually hold your ground, they'll try to get a rise out of you, or they'll try to trigger you in certain ways. And so when you're aware of yourself in the way that, you know what, I don't want to be depleted today, you can think more proactively about how to stop it and prevent it. Yes. So th- these are all practices of self-care, mm-hmm. and I think there is this assumption that if we take care of ourselves first, we're selfish. Oh, yeah, especially for women. I think women really internalize that idea that putting yourself first is somehow wrong mm-hmm. or somehow takes away from the other people on your priority list. And I wonder how many people, if they were sitting down and you ask them, like, what are the most important things to you in your life? I think plenty of women would sit down and say, like, oh, my kids and, you know, my my job, my husband, list out, like, the things. But, like, where are you on that list? Right. Because, number one, 
above anything needs to be you. Yeah. Because if you're not at the top of your list and you're not prioritizing the your interactions mm-hmm. and your daily schedule and the things that help you feel refueled, mm-hmm. you you're not able to take care of those other people as well. And that's what I mean when I talk about filling your tank. Like you can't fill another person's cup if yours is empty. So you're not your best self when you're not taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and making that your top priority. Yeah. I mean, especially when kids are involved, it's it's like, what example do you want to set for your kids? Like, right, that, yeah. that they're going to mm-hmm. continue this trajectory of putting other people before them. Right, exactly. And I, I mean, I don't have kids. I just have a very needy cat. Um, but <laughs> I have a needy dog. I understand. <laughs> but, you know, the, that's the thing I've learned from so many of my uh, coach mom friends is their kids see everything they do they copy everything Mm -hmm. they're doing they're always watching and kids are so much smarter than we give them credit for they pick up on those unspoken dynamics so it makes it even more important for us to like get those get those habits down yeah while they're young or before you even have them so what i'm hearing is that kind of the first step in self-care is almost self-awareness so looking at the big picture of what's working for me and what's not working for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it sounds like, you know, the depletion happens when we're on autopilot and we're assuming the role and assuming the expectations. But really, do we need to take it all on? Yeah, absolutely. I used to have a problem with saying yes all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I, especially like I love my siblings, but I'm the oldest of four. And it was like I could never say no. And... Now I think it's more balanced, uh, but it's hard when you with people you care about. It's always easy to say no to things you don't want to do when you don't care about the other per- the person on the other side. But when loved ones ask you, oh, like I want to talk to you about like this really depressing thing that I've been dealing with and not trying to fix for months on end, mm-hmm. you know, or things like that, or you know, oh, can you help me? Can you stay up later? Can you wake up earlier? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's those are the things that you need to learn to say no to. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the way you create boundaries. So if you had to give yourself a grade on saying no, what would you give yourself? Oh, I'm, I'm basically a pro now. Like I've gotten so <laughs> much better. But, you know, I see a therapist who's been working with me on that for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, little steps, one thing at a time. Like I for a long time, I was only comfortable saying maybe. Mm-hmm. And that was actually a huge shift for me. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing that we think like, oh, I just can't like come out and like say no to people. I mean, this person's counting on me and they're my best friend or whoever. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say yes right away. You could always say yes later. So mm-hmm. the thing I learned on my journey is taking a pause to think about it. Yeah. And a lot of times I just say somebody, let me think about it really quick. I'll get back to you by the end of the day or Mm -hmm. by tomorrow. And that goes a long way. And sometimes they solve it by themselves. It's amazing what happens if you just pause and what fills in the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it's like for myself when, when I'm not trying to fix it, things just get resolved. (laughs) I know. Right. It's a, it's kind of like this trick that you have that I had as a reporter that most reporters will do where when you ask a question and somebody doesn't really give you the answer mm-hmm. that you're looking for, they give you something short, you just stay silent. And people are so uncomfortable with silence, they'll just keep talking to fill that void. Absolutely. That's one of the coaching techniques we use too. Not to make people uncomfortable, but to give right. them the, the time to reflect, to, to say what they actually wanted to say, not on the jerk reaction. Right. Responsive yes. rate. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, 
while you were talking, I started thinking about, so the pause is important, but I actually wrote a blog on this and I teach my clients. It's called the triple D to decision-making. Okay. It's the triple D method. So you ask yourself three different questions that I'll begin with D. Number one, is it doable? So am I able, do I have the skills and expertise to do it? Mm -hmm. Number two, is it desirable? Do I really want to do it? And number three, is it delegatable? Ah, Can someone else do it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the doable is also the resources. Do I have the time? Right. Can I do this? Mm -hmm. And if any of those are no, you go to the next D. But you you can start with delegatable. Like, you know what? It's not doable right now. If they can't, if they have a shortened timeline, Mm -hmm. can I find someone else to refer them to it? But the, the key thing is to keep it as objective as possible. So you're just working through the criteria instead of personalizing as if I say no to this, what does it say about me? Right. Or I'm a bad person. I'm Mm -hmm. a bad friend. Right. Yeah. So you make it a very like high level, like you become the CEO of your life because you're making these very high level executive decisions for yourself. I love that. I always say I'm the CEO like of of my household. Yeah. That's funny. I love, I love saying that. Uh, My boyfriend is the CFO. He's the one who vetoes all my expensive (laughs) ideas. That's awesome. I've like started running decisions by him. I'm like, can I buy this? And then he's like, no, not until you throw away one of your items of clothing. I feel like I'm I'm my boyfriend's yeah. CFO because he has a very extreme hat and shoe problem. Oh my god, my boyfriend has the shoe problem too. Yeah, my boyfriend owns over a hundred hats. Wow, okay. and they're not. I'm cheap. not even that bad. No, he's. Are bad. you dating me? Because I have so many hats. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think really we need to so do a contest. Hats. Yeah. <laughs> he just moved, and there were hats on bookcases and on every surface until his hat rack got installed. Wow, it's a problem. Um, <laughs> I digress. Yes. So, so these are the parts of kind of self care, of time management, of boundary mm-hmm. setting. But let's talk about what happens when we don't take care of ourselves. Oh yeah. When our when our good friend anxiety creeps in. Yes. So yeah. three years ago, you were diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Yes. Tell yeah. me what that is. So generalized anxiety disorder basically means that whereas most people experience anxiety in understandable situations, like maybe you're driving and a car almost hits you and you'll feel that surge of adrenaline where you panic. Well, what happens with people who have GAD, as it's mm-hmm. called, is that your adrenaline is kind of turned on all the time. It's like, think of a switch that allows, that releases those panic hormones. Ours is on all the time. So what happens is that even when there are no threats, you're really alert Mm -hmm. and your brain will essentially find an explanation for why it has these hormones swimming around in its chemistry. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you'll seize on something that's not really a huge problem, you'll make it a bigger problem, or you'll, you'll overreact to something, or, you know, you'll have a meltdown of some sort, it, just depending on, like, how, how far you've kind of let it go without, you know, trying to calm yourself down and zero mm-hmm. yourself out with self-care. Yeah, and I think that that is the real risk of anxiety. Like, right. stress is going to happen. Oh, yeah. Stress will constantly become that, but when anxiety and worry take over and take the driver's seat, it really shifts the trajectory of your your mindset, of your mood, of your functionality on Absolutely. a day-to-day basis. Um, I do not have GAD. I've not been diagnosed with that. <laughs> but I had uh, what I can only say is a fraction of probably your experience happened mm-hmm. last week where, you know, I had made this announcement about my book preview event. I was super excited, had gone 
invited all these people, had tons of RSVPs, and then I got a call that the venue wasn't going to be ready. Right. And I took a deep breath and I said, okay, great. We'll just pre, we'll just delay it. We'll push it back. I'll be even more prepared. And then the little like message in my head popped up of, well, why can't you find another venue? You can fix everything. You can get it done. You're like the MacGyver of events. Go do it, Lauren. <laughs> get it done. And I went on a 72 hour like venue search outreach oh, yeah. tizzy four hours of sleep if that interrupted waking up with ideas I can do this I can do this I can do this until Tuesday morning at 2 a.m. I woke up in a full-on panic attack yeah couldn't breathe like full like felt like someone was like sitting on my chest and I was just like sobbing uncontrollably and when you look at it if you're anyone else looking from the outside it looks completely irrational absolutely yeah. it's just an mm-hmm. event it's no big deal but your mind has taken hold of it of like, you're a failure. No one's going to respect you. No one's going to buy your book. Yep. You know, who do you think you are? You think you're a professional. No one's going to trust you. Right. So it's, it's, I think that everyone has experienced this at some level, mm-hmm. but how do you not feel crazy? Yeah. And the crazy thing about, about GAD is that while there are situations where, you know, people are, can be genetically predisposed to it, especially if it runs in your family or other family members have it. It can, you can get it. Like it's something you can develop because if you're under enough stress for long enough, basically your brain is just like, okay, this is how we are now. Yeah. And it then once you're out of that situation, it doesn't know how to turn off. So it's something you can definitely develop, not to scare anybody and get them on WebMD, but it, it's something that you can develop if you're not careful about taking care of yourself. Yeah. So this is the connection for self-care. So right. three years ago, you get diagnosed with this. Yes. Yeah. Up until today, what has been your process of kind of waking up to self-care and awareness of taking care of yourself in a different way? Right. So it started off, I mean, I, I got diagnosed by my therapist here. And um, so basically we kind of created a routine for me because what happened is that like, because I was so I would say yes so often. I had to kind of create this routine that I would be able to say like, well, I can't because that's after, like after hours basically. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like I had personal business hours for like my personal time. And I would have to manage like, okay, I know that I get too exhausted when I have like a group function more than once a week. Mm-hmm. Or like I can do coffee with people or drinks with people X number of times without feeling like drained. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, it was kind of manage, like starting to just manage my social calendar and trying to like create enough alone time for myself to balance out the time I spent with all these different friends that I have who mm-hmm. aren't one cohesive group. So it's not like a big group hanging out together all the time. And then it kind of evolved from there and it became like, well, this isn't really working now. So what else can I add in? And that's when I really focused on what are the things that make me feel fulfilled in my off time. So I started getting back into my art. So I do a lot of drawing and painting and things like that. I make jewelry. Um, I really, uh, any kind of art I will pick up and start doing. Mm-hmm. But anything that involved like creativity and creation, that helped. I also rock climb, so that's been a big help. So things like that. So my hobbies, reading, all of that. And I just kind of worked those into my schedule. Like, okay, I can manage work and my social outings if I have these things in place. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I had to work in like physical activity because connected to my uh, GAD, I also have insomnia because 
those stress hormones are in your brain all the time. Mm-hmm. It makes it difficult for me to sleep. So then I was like, well, I got to tire myself out. So then working out became part of the equation as well. Mm-hmm. And then a little, about a year ago now, yeah, a year ago in August, um, I had come to terms with the fact that like nothing was working for a long time. It was like months and I just kept like saying no. And I kept like, you know, almost withdrawing to like keep doing all these things that normally made me happy, going hiking, doing all this stuff. And I was just still having this panicked feeling and I started having these racing thoughts all the time. Mm -hmm. For me, like it's going to be different for everybody, but for me, I became overly focused with like the, how short life is Mm. and am I achieving everything that I want to do? And what if I die? What if the people I love die? We're all going to die. So what's even the point of this and that? It just really got overwhelming. And I went and saw my regular doctor and I was like, I, and I'm sobbing in her doctor's office. Like, I don't know why I can't shut these thoughts off. Like nothing I'm doing is working. Mm -hmm. And she was like, okay, so I think like you need medication. It's totally fine. Like, I think this yeah. is going to help help you out. So then medication got added to the mix. And I felt so much better. The way I've described it to people is it's not that it adds anything. It just like takes away all the bullshit that was clogging up my brain. Yeah. So it's like seeing a movie where you can go to, you know, when you go to a movie and there's like teenagers throwing popcorn or like people have their cell phones Mm -hmm. out and you can still watch the movie but you're not really getting a focus because you keep getting distracted by all of this by the annoyances yes (laughs) um what my medication did was essentially like take out most of the annoyances so maybe somebody will check their phone once in a while but for the most part I'm enjoying the movie and since then like obviously you regulate Mm -hmm. you regulate on it so now I'm like kind of back to zero and now I have my whole self-care routine where I know what I need to do every day. I know I need to work out. I know I need to do my gratitude stuff in the morning. I know I need to spend time with my boyfriend and my cat and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then there are things I do on the weekend. I do my meal prepping. I like to, if I don't like do any art, I try to like get out of the house and go walk around or just somehow experience life, meet up with people, that kind of thing. So now I'm, I'm back to like this balanced routine and I'm just, I'm always really aware mm-hmm. of it. So like you were saying with like the plus and minus system, I've basically been doing something similar where I make decisions on what kind of self-care I'm going to need based on where my energy levels are from the interactions I'm having with people on a daily basis or even occasionally. Yeah. So it, it's a really long-winded answer, but no, but it's, I think it's evolution. really, it's really helpful because I think we're kind of in this society of immediate gratification and one pill is going to fix it, but it Mm -hmm. sounds like you needed the trifecta of having a therapist, of doing the self-care, and then having medical intervention as well. I mean, when you're talking about hormones and chemical imbalances that can occur, especially if it's hereditary, you know, going to see someone who doesn't specialize in that or trying to self-diagnose it or self-medicate it is not going to work in the long run. Right, yeah. And I see this happen a lot as as a certified coach and doing life coaching is that a lot of people will use it in place of going to a therapist. Right. And so I actually work with several clients who I work in tandem with a therapist on because a coach gets you from current to future and mm-hmm. the therapist will usually help you from past trauma to present function. Right. And and you know, a psychiatrist or whoever is licensed to to prescribe medication a coach cannot do that. Right. So I think if you feel like you have this, 
you know, exploring your options and finding that perfect mix of, of a doctor who listens and who understands what you're doing and what your goals are. Right. And just to be clear, like the therapy was working for two years. Yeah. I mean, it worked for a long time. And there was nothing wrong with me going on medication. I felt almost like, which this is more of the anxiety goblin, as mm-hmm. I call that inner voice. It's, it was almost like, well, I didn't, like, I'm totally cool with people going on medication because, you know, reduce the stigma. But I didn't think I would have to yeah, be one of but them. but not me. Yeah, yeah. but I'm, I'm able to self-care my way out of it. Right. But... Well, you're pretty headstrong, so I can see that happening. I am, yes. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, when you hit a point where you're, like, thinking about, like, you know, existential thoughts and crying on the metro, you can't really deny it at that point. I'm like, okay, this is not normal. Like, So so this is the wall. Yeah. And I actually, I talk about this in the book, too, of, like, your wake-up call and your wall. Like, how many times are you going to do the same thing and hit that same point where you can't get past it? Right, yeah. Like, at what point Mm -hmm. do you ask for help beyond what you're able to do? Yeah, exactly. And for me, it was like, like, I can remember it as clear as day. I was on the metro and I just started like weeping. It's not like I was sobbing and like making a scene, but it was like I was just sitting like in the last row, like going to Crystal City, looking out over the water and just thinking about how I would like I would be dead soon, a.k.a. in like maybe 40 years. And it's like, what? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, you're young and you should be enjoying your life. And the fact that you're feeling this way on a daily commute, it's really troubling. Yeah. And I knew what was characteristic of myself and what's not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's part of like, you know, when we see these check on your friend memes that go around, Mm -hmm. you have to be able, like, you can't just check on a stranger. You have to know like what's going on with your friends. Do they seem like they're off? Like, are they less chatty than normal are they withdrawing how long has it have they been doing that Mm -hmm. you have to be like ready to gently call them out and like really like push yourself through because for me I was really good at hiding it from people Mm -hmm. oh I'm just tired oh I'm just working a lot oh I'm just this I'm just that and I always had a logical explanation for everything Mm -hmm. and I was almost like playing my friend's in the sense that it was like I would go to this person and complain about something or like you know I'd you let were it out spreading this, it out yeah, yeah. I was spreading it out um and people knew later they were kind of like I thought something was weird but I didn't know like it was that bad yeah but it really took people prying like it would have taken people really prying to see behind the facade I was putting forward because yeah. it was very much like oh, everything's fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. If I just say I'm fine enough, I'll be fine eventually. Yeah, what do you think the facade was about? I really think it was this idea of, well, I'm like I'm the strong friend, mm-hmm. and everybody's coming to me, so I can't let anybody realize that I'm, that I'm weak, that I'm the one who needs help. Yeah. And I was already seeing a therapist, so I'm like, I'm doing the things, I'm checking checking off the to-do list, and mm-hmm. I'm doing my self-care, and this should be working. It's just that kind of perfectionist mentality yeah. of, I'm getting the gold star. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, should <laughs> is one of those words. Like, I've got these buzzwords where I'm just like, if you are using those in your common vocabulary, those should be red flags for you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So should is one of them. I actually nipped someone yesterday. I was at a networking event, because she just said, she said, I'm just a real estate agent. And I said, don't ever use that Excuse word again. Me? Yeah. I said, just don't. As, I said, what the yeah. hell was that? She's like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And yeah. 
like I kind of gave her a little I just met her and I gave her this little pinch and she was like what I said do you hear what you just said I said don't take yourself out of this yeah she's like I'm a real estate agent I was like okay good there yeah, you go. be proud of yourself. I'm just yeah. a real estate agent. I know. But we take we the words we use have power. Absolutely. And that's something I've been working on recently is really trying to speak my truths into the universe. Mm-hmm. I had a I had such a problem for so long revealing what my hopes and dreams were. And I this was something I worked through in therapy where I was like, oh, nobody gets to hear those. Those I keep private in my heart and I don't ever tell anybody about any of my aspirations. Yeah. But what's wrong with that? Like you can't, what, that's just as much a part of you as anything else. I think it's the core of you. Yeah. Yeah. You should be proud of what your aspirations are. Yeah. It's amazing when you can share that, how many people want to get on board and support you. Yeah. They jump at the chance. They're like, yeah, I want to feel good too. Yep. Exactly. So that's like, I mean, the wellness coaching really, helped me get get my shit together too I mean I yeah I've always kind of had it together for the most part aside from that hitting the wall moment um but I've always been somebody who's been on top of things mm-hmm. and then when something wasn't working as soon as I realized it wasn't working it was gone like yep. I I never hesitated to cut out toxic friends um or to end a relationship that wasn't working for me or start looking for a job or network or whatever I've always been like a risk taker. I've quit jobs with no backup before and mm-hmm. gone and found something. So for me, becoming the wellness coach is you got to start practicing what you preach. Hell yeah. Which I'm sure you experience <laughs> all the time. Like Tenfold, I, yeah. I recently realized like I wasn't getting enough sleep. Yep. And I thought to myself, like, how, what would I say to somebody I'm coaching who's like, oh, I'm really tired during my workouts and I have no energy during the day and that's why I want to have sugar. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, bitch, I don't care what you have to give up, but you give up something in either in the evening or in the morning and you get those seven to eight hours. Like you need to get your sleep. And so I kind of had a come to Jesus moment with myself where yeah. I was like, all right, something's got to go. So what's going? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just like part of the nighttime routine. I was just like, okay, well, I'm not going to be watching TV at night. I'm just going to yeah, well, and go to sleep. I also think there's power in sharing your own struggles with it. I mean, oh, the, yeah. the post that I put up about, you know, the panic attack and like oh, yeah. feeling like I was a failure and wanting to give up. My clients that I worked with later that week were like, thank you for posting that. Like, you remind me that you're human. Yeah. And you're going through this too. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has it totally together all the time. No, they're better at faking it. I think. Yes. (laughs) Honestly. Yes. Like I'm always wary on Instagram or anywhere else when people, when I don't see any like awkward photos or any like, you know, stories about embarrassing things or, you know, real stuff. I'm like, "Mm -mm, something's weird here. Yeah. It's like people who are obsessed with Disney. I love Disney. But I'm like, Disney ain't real. Disney's not real. So what's what's going on here? Let's dig into it. Yeah. And usually it's it's the shell. It's the facade. Yeah. Um, I, I went and had uh, coffee within hours of posting that. I, I This is how I know I have an amazing network just in this building. <laughs> um, my friend Jaren sent me a text and said, all right, we're going out for coffee. I'm not taking no for an answer. Nice. <laughs> and, yeah. and we ended up mm-hmm. talking. And I said, you know, it's so funny. Like people look at me and because I've, I'm certified as a coach, I've been doing this full time for now going into three, actually four years of doing it. And, and I said, you know, I don't care where you went to school, what courses you've mm-hmm. taken, what certifications you hold, you can't coach the human out of you. Right. Yeah. But you can teach people how to move through it and how to cope with things. Right. Well, you just learn to coach yourself. 
You do. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny. I actually used my book to pick myself back up. Really? It was like, yo, hypocrite, you got the resource right in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> like, knock it off. And that, that for me is yeah. what gave me the confidence to get myself back up there and to continue on. Because I could have just been like, you know what? I'm going to wait until the fall to do this. And I let it sit for a little bit. And I was just like, we're going to see where this goes. And when I was ready to just hit it, I went and brainstormed down by the water for three hours with my mm-hmm. magic markers and, and computer paper. And when I came back... I decided to just lay down and rest a little bit, and I got an email saying, hey, how about August 17th? So now we're back on. It's amazing. Just got to let things things be sometimes. Yeah, I feel like we just all have this need for control, and we think that maybe we can, like, outsmart our feelings and our anxiety by controlling things, and half the time you just got to let it be. I say all the time, you got to yeah. let it be. Like, yeah. the only thing in control is your, your thoughts mm-hmm. and your actions. Yep, and, and your, your beliefs, reactions. And your things. reactions, yeah. yeah. And, but, but anxiety, at a core definition, is an obsession with the future. And oh, yeah. all of that is outside mm-hmm. of our control. Absolutely, yeah. I've really, like, learned to just, like, people are always asking me, I say people, it's like, I've, I have a mentee, like, summer mentee who's, like, here interning and, like, my siblings and stuff. But they'll be like, oh, here's what I want to do, here's my whole plan, or like, or they're stressing out about not having a plan mm-hmm. on the other side. And I tell people all the time, friends, everybody who will listen, I'm like, fuck that plan. Because I don't know about you, but never have I come <laughs> never up goes with, to plan. <laughs> with a plan that actually came to fruition no. that was longer than like a week about. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing because I can't, I would not, if you had told me last year, even last year, you'd be like, oh, hey, next year you're going to be a wellness coach and you're going to be really into health and fitness and self-care mm-hmm. and body positivity and you're going to make friends with a life coach. You're going to be on our podcast. I would have been like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? What have you been smoking? Yeah. It's just like you can't you can't plan too much. No, but I am a firm believer in setting the intention. So oh, it's yeah. not the what, but the why behind it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, whatever it is like why do you want this or or feel like you need this in your life exactly and it's always there you just don't see it exactly like I I mean same as last year as this year is that I just want to help people and I want to make a big impact on in this world and last year I was a journalist and I felt like I was putting the word out there to inspire other people to change the world and then I decided I want to be part of the fight Mm -hmm. so I ended up getting the job I have now Mm -hmm. and then I also in becoming a wellness coach I really feel like I'm helping people on an individual level too because I'm helping them figure out what's right for them nutrition wise fitness wise all of that so it's but it's still the same intention Mm -hmm. like I'm in the same place I was last year right it's just a completely different motive yeah helping people yeah so don't be attached to the specifics of it right yes just keep it moving yeah because it will when you're open to it it will arrive exactly yeah Yeah. my big goal is I I tell myself all the time like I want to open a nonprofit for criminal justice reform one day someday down you got to talk to Lori so Lori was on my show she actually used to live here LJ Samuel so she started a nonprofit called Cupid Sting which is all about reducing and eliminating interpersonal violence wow yes and she's a criminologist heard of this yeah yeah i'll I'll send you the link to the show but she's it's it's her heart and soul yeah but my whole idea is i want to start a nonprofit and i want to staff it completely with former offenders because i feel like they've been left out of the conversation and who knows how that's going to play out or you know maybe i'll end up starting a different kind of nonprofit or whatever it is but i know that that's like 
at my heart and my core, like is what I'm meant to do. Yeah. And help people along the way while I get there. So very cool. Yeah. Well, if people want to follow your journey, where should they go? They can find me on Instagram. I'm at J underscore De Silva, and that's De Silva with an A. Um, I also have a website, which I update not as frequently as I'd like, <laughs> but I do update it, and that's uh, www.jessicadesilva.com. Very cool. So final questions, because yes. I have to ask everybody, what is your superpower? Oh, easy. My superpower is I am the ultimate hype woman. That is my superpower. I give the best pep talks. Like I always know exactly what people need to hear and I hype them up to get them to do whatever it is they need to do. That's, I mean, I have other powers, but that is my ultimate superpower. I'm Uh, just a hype woman. Awesome. And what's your kryptonite? Oh, ooh, my kryptonite. Mm. I'm trying to think. I mean... Literally, it would be ice cream. I can never say no to ice cream. <laughs> I think I've had chocolate as yeah. someone's kryptonite, too. Uh, especially if I'm anywhere in the radius of ice cream jubilee, I cannot. I can't <laughs> handle it. Like, really good quality ice cream. Um, but emotionally, I would say, like, broken people. Mm-hmm. I cannot resist broken people. And it's been it's been a journey to try and learn how to help people without letting their pain become mine Mm -hmm. and just sitting them, sitting with them in it, Mm -hmm. but not experiencing it. Not absorbing it. All right, cool. Well, we will have links to your website and your Instagram in the show notes. So if you want to check out Jessie, she will be there and stay tuned uh, for more awesome shows on self-care, on the things that go on inside our hearts and our heads, not just what's happening on our keyboard exchanges and what's happening on social media we're going to get to a deeper level of business ownership and of just being human so that's what the spitfire podcast is all about we're not just going to be surface level we're going deeper um and i hope you guys stick with it and and forward this on to a friend who you think may get some good information out of it or might be inspired by it and if you're in the dc region i would love to see you on august 17th at the new co-working space mind space not my space my boyfriend keeps thinking it's like my space <laughs> mind space i'm working on my enunciation um head on over to spitfirecoach.com slash book you can click the preview event registration button and now you can pre-order the book <gasps> yay and you get a special discount so it's five dollars off Ooh. and you get to have it signed by yours truly. So head on over to spitfirecoach.com slash book. And if you haven't already, go ahead and reg- not register, subscribe to the Spitfire Podcast. You can go to spitfirepodcast.com. There is an uh, Apple Podcast link there, or you can listen to all the shows by clicking on the episodes link. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me in, for in our lovely building here in Southwest DC. And until next time, keep being awesome. <laughs>